This message is brought to you by Twelve Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled, Gear Up for Good. This is the first message in the series, Do Good, Feel Good, Christmas. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. So Merry Christmas, 12 Stone, that's right, it's December, so go ahead and extend a Merry Christmas to those around you, go ahead, give them a Merry Christmas, spread the Christmas cheer, and what does that really mean, I mean, Merry Christmas, well Merry means, it means happy, it means high spirits, it means have a feel good season, have a what kind of season, a feel good, say it again with me, have a what? Feel good season. So what are the things that make you feel good? And what are the things kind of like your, your particular feel good fix? So I jotted a few down. And if it happens to be one of yours, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll just kind of see here across the campuses what, what ours are. Uh, I wrote some down. Here we go. Here's one. Sleeping in with no alarm clock. How many of us? Come on. Hey, yeah. Man, that feels so good. Food. Anybody like me, you love food. Oh my, That's why I love Thanksgiving. I mean, I eat whatever I want. My family knows when it comes to the pumpkin pie moment that after I put that piece of pie on my plate, you will not see it. Here's why. Because it is covered in whipped cream. Top, bottom, everywhere. I mean, it is wrapped in whipped cream. You cannot see the pumpkin pie. It's fantastic. <laughs> Playing video games, anybody in that group, you know, crush, whatever, whatever, candy crush, dopamine rush. I mean, it all goes with it. All right, how about a good cup of coffee? Anyone? Oh, yeah. Caffeine and comfort all in one. By the way, my hand's down for that. I don't love coffee. I don't get it. I don't know why you would love something that takes so long to get a taste for. I uh, never understood that. Hanging out with family or friends for a night. Come on. Now, that's good. Yeah, I love that. That's a feel good. Seeing a good movie. Anybody? I'm, I'm in a good movie kind of thing. Uh, walking along and finding a $10 bill. How about it? Free money. I love free money. <laughs> that, that always works. Uh, uh, exercise. Oh, no. My hand's down again. Uh, <laughs> Get more and more likes on your social media. That might be one. How about your sports team winning? Yeah, baby. Come on, hands up. We, we, we went to the Falcons uh, football game over Thanksgiving weekend. That was fantastic. And it was a feel good at the, at, at the, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And that was a great experience. Uh, we, we got tickets from, from friends of ours that were like on the 50-yard line, 15 rows up. That was awesome. We got access to the Mer- Mercedes-Benz uh, a little club there. I mean, that was awesome. The Falcons took the bucks down. That was awesome. I mean, it was all feel good. <laughs> Now, by the way, I, I, I can tell you what doesn't feel good. If you're not clear on all this feel-good stuff, what doesn't feel good is uh, when you're at halftime in that little club and you lay your phone down on the table and then you run back uh, to your seat and you leave your new iPhone 8 sitting there. And, and then when you figure out what you did, you go back and it's gone. And then you go to the host and then you spend the whole second half uh, making phone calls to your phone from your son's phone and then going to security and, then, and, and, then go, and eventually you leave and you go home and you don't have your phone. Just as an FYI, if you don't know what a, what a not feel good is, uh, that, I just thought I'd come up with one. That's kind of a, of a not feel good. Let's figure out what kind of people we are. There, there's different kinds of people. Who are clothes people? Like if you can shop for clothes, that's a feel good for you. Who are the clothes people? Like, all right, good. Um, uh, who are the tech people? If you can get a new phone, tech toy, 
Android, whatever app. Okay, you're, you're in the tech computer, whatever it goes. How about who are the house people? Like, like if you get more house and do more decor, you're kind of a house person. How many ever travel people? Like if you could do the travel, like, oh, that's a feel good. Okay. Who are the car people? Like if you could get more car, that would be awesome. I'm, I, I would pick the car. I'm, I'm, I'm the car guy person. Like if I could get more engine, I mean, I'd give me a Harley Davidson, then I want to beef up the engine. I want it to thunder. That is fantastic. I know God's in it. I checked scripture. It's in the original Greek. Uh, so, so, so I know he's all over that. Uh, I, I would, we, when Marsha and I went to, to, uh, to California last spring for, for a little trip that was kind of a pastor mentoring uh, thing, um, I don't prefer, I don't, I don't love travel. She likes travel so good, that, that could be her thing. Uh, but, but I would go for the car. So the fact that we rented a vet made that trip worthwhile. It's the only thing I really cared about. I'm like, okay, we get to rent a vet. 460 horsepower, uh, this, this was spectacular. Seven gears, shifting gears. What I can just tell you is this, getting in that car and shifting gears is euphoric. If you don't understand it, I'll help lead you to Jesus. And then, and then you can have the experience. You know what I'm talking about about. And, and by the way, when, when, when I was there, I, I discovered an insight about um, shifting through those gears that was actually uh, helpful to me. And I'll come back to it at, at the end of the teaching. But, but let me take this one step, because I want to make sure that we really prove. I mean, I don't want to just talk about it and then we not really get it. I, I, mean, I want to prove that if you get more of what you want, you feel good. So I, I need to prove it. So I want to do a little test, and I'm going to need three participants. So just stay in your seats until, until, I, until I call somebody forward, but i got to test it out. Okay, so, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, all of you who are the food people, like you would say, if I get the food I like, it makes me feel good. I just want to see your hands. Uh, the food people. And now, is anybody willing to come up here and you be a test case? Right there. You gal, come on up. Blue shirt. Yeah. Okay, so now uh, let me go with tech. Who's like the tech? Like you would be like, I'm, a, I'm in the tech. I love the tech field. If I get a new phone, new toys. Okay, young man right here. Yeah, that's it. Come on up. And uh, let's do this. You come on up on stage. Let's do... Um, you're the shopping, you're the tech. Let's do, sh- let's do shopping for clothes. Who are, who, who's the shopping for clothes? Who's the shopping for? <laughs> like you're thinking, how was it not obvious? <laughs> there is no room of people. There's just you, right? Well, then come here. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we we got to test this out. Um, which one? Give me your name. Alexis. Alexis. And which one is, is, is yours? Food. Okay. Slide over here. What's your name? Jacob. And yours is? Tech. Tech. And your name is? Palmera. And yours is? Close. <laughs> Close. Okay. Hold that for me. Now, this is the big test. Okay. This is the big test. You ready? I'm sorry. You're gonna, we, we have to do this. You have to take the 50 bucks. You have no choice. You got to take 50 bucks. This is a Merry Christmas, okay? And, and, and this is to go out to eat anything you want, and you're going to have to do it. You must do this. You must test it out, okay? This is 50 bucks, Merry Christmas, for you to go get any tech thing you want. Stay right here. And this, this right here is 50 bucks for you to go shop and get whatever you want. Now, here's the big question, because we've got to prove this. Thanks for testing the 50 as off the deck. You can't make this up. You cannot make this up. You literally held it up to the light. All right. Now, here's what I need to know. Does this make you feel good or bad? Good. 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 
There you have it. Give them a hand. Say Merry Christmas to them. We have just scientifically proven back to your seats. That's it. Merry Christmas to you. Enjoy it. We have just done a scientific test to prove that if you get more of what you want, it makes you feel what? Isn't that fun? Now, is that really all Christmas is? I mean, is Christmas just a fleeting feel-good fix? Let's talk about it. This will be our 30th Christmas we get to celebrate. And I want to... I want to turn, yeah, yeah, we get to celebrate. It's an awesome thing. And I, and I want to, I want to, I want to change it up a little bit this Christmas if I can. I want to coach us into a fresh view of Christmas. Because Christmas is not an event you celebrate, it's an awakening you join. Listen, it's not an event you celebrate to get a fleeting feel good fix. That is not why Jesus came. It is an awakening that you join. And this is the moment when pastors traditionally step up, like myself, and tell you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and we go look at the birth of Jesus. But I want to change it up a little bit. Because if we want to look at the transforming impact of Christmas, then we have to look a little bit later where Christ impacted lives. And that would take us to the book of Acts. So we're going to sit in the book of Acts during this Christmas season, Acts chapter 10, the story of one man, Cornelius, and his family. And we're going to sit in this for the next three weeks. And Cornelius would challenge our our view, our conversation of this do good, feel good world. In fact, I, I, let me just overview. You might want to jot this down so you know where we're going and what we're doing. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to sit for the next three weeks. And, and, and this is really about joining an awakening. That's really what the coming of Jesus was all about. And it deeply impacts your life. And, and, and he, the first thing I think he would tell us is to gear up for good. And, and that's where we're going to go today. But, but then he would help us understand that that's not enough. You're going to have to drill down for good. And, and we're not even going to end right there. Then, then you need to reach out for good. Now watch this. In Acts chapter 10, over the next three weeks... We're going to address one at a time. And Cornelius is going to tell us that there are some shifts. Some what, everybody? Shifts you need to make in your life. In fact, we're going to hit three of them today. Now, stay with me. Because at the end of today, you're going to discover that those three shifts will alter your life. It'll transform the way you experience God and do life. And it's inadequate. By the time we're done, you'll realize this is inadequate. It's life-altering yet inadequate until you go to drill down for good. You're going to have to go to the next because we all live three kinds of lives. We live our public life, we live our private life, and we live our secret life. And if you don't drill good down, you never get the good life. And that's still not where we're going to be done because ultimately you're going to have to reach out for good. And that really leads to What is the greatest good? Do you know the answer to that? What is the greatest good in life? Let me say it this way. If you're asking the wrong questions in life, but you're getting the answers, what difference does it make? If you have the wrong questions, the answers are irrelevant. They will not transform your life. you got to figure out what the right questions are. What is the greatest good? That's the question we ought to be asking, because that gives the greatest 
good in life. But today, gear up for good. So, there were three shifts that Cornelius made in his life. The first one is right there in your teaching notes. Let's fill in the blank, follow along. Number one, shift gears from feel good to do good. Cornelius is going to demonstrate for us the significance of shifting gears from feel good, say it with me, from what? Feel good to what? Do good. From feel good to do good. Stay with me on this. This is so insightful in his life. Acts chapter 10. Grab your Bibles from right underneath your chair. Just pull out your Bible and turn with me over to page 1101, page 1101. Acts chapter 10, if you're on a mobile device, Acts 10. And and we're going to just kind of begin to walk through this scripture as we'll be doing through all three weeks. Verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. Now, these were the days of the Roman Empire. Caesarea was the capital city of the province of Judea. Think of it as Atlanta to the state of Georgia. And this was the time, the height of Roman paganism and pleasure-seeking. I mean, mean, whatever it took, materially, financially, sexually, just if it feels good, do it. Just abandon yourself to the self-indulgence of whatever makes you feel good. There's no boundaries, there's no limit, come on. This is the culture that he was living in. And he was a centurion, which means he was in the Roman army. A Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers. It was divided up into groups of a hundred. In each group of a hundred soldiers, there was a centurion over the hundred men. That's who Cornelius was. A proven, a proven leader of men. Rugged, tough. And he was a non-Jew, which means he was a Gentile. That's what Gentile means, non-Jew. Which means he was not in this lineage of promises from Abraham to Jacob, the, the nation of Israel, Moses, David, down to Jesus. He didn't have any of those promises. And yet, he made a shift that was transforming. It changed his life. Look at verse 2. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Look at it again. It defines him. He and his family were devout, God-fearing. They gave generously to those in need. He prayed regularly to God. See, Cornelius looked around, and he saw that he lived in a chase-feel-good culture. He looked up, and he saw the creation. He looked into the teachings of Judaism about this Jehovah God and all the good of the wisdom of God of what it meant to have a good life. And he made a shift in his life to move from godless living to seeking God. Now, he didn't do this on his own. God gave him life. But he said, you know what? I'm, I, I'm not going to live like the world around me any longer. I, I'm not living that way. I want, I want this good life that this God, because I don't believe we're here by accident. I, I see that there's a creator. And he walked in the light that God gave him. And there was a shift in him to move from feel good to do good. From feel good as being the lead thing in your life to do good as being the lead thing. And you see, you see the change. You see the shift because he shifted his morals. He became devout. 
Which means he, he, he decided in his soul, I'm no longer going to live by the morals of the world. They're not going to set the standard of good. I'm going to agree with God's good. He shifted his time. I mean, he's this guy so busy in his leadership and the demands in the army. He said, you know what? God's first, and so I'm going to give God first in my worship. Check this out. In my worship and prayer. This, this hardened warrior was a man of prayer. Wow. He shifted his finances. You know, he said, I, I'm not going to be a guy who's just about me and my family. That's not my excuse to be self-absorbed. God has blessed me. I'm going to bless others. Because it's the nature and the heart of God to bless. He would have had access, perhaps, to things like Psalm 140 from the writings of David. I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. See, that, that would be the heart and the nature of God because God at his core and his essence, God is good. And therefore, God does good. And when Peter was to summarize who Jesus was and particularly what he did, it's here in Acts chapter 10. I'll unpack the details in future weeks, but, but for now, I'll just interrupt because Peter is talking to Cornelius at a moment in Acts chapter 10. And if you turned over a page, you don't have to turn there. You can just listen if you want. In verse 36, here's what Peter says. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. In other words, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Who is the Lord of all? You know what has happened throughout the province of, of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around. Look, how Jesus went around doing good. How Jesus went around what? Doing good. Let's say that again. How Jesus went around what? Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around doing good. He had to summarize the life of Jesus. And what was the life of Jesus? He went around what? Doing good. Healing people were under the power, the influence of the devil because God was with them. God himself in human flesh. And when he came to earth, what did he do? He went around doing good. Ah, do good proceeds, feel good. Oh, that's not enough. There's more wisdom in this. In fact, I wrote this in your notes. If you want to fill in the blank, they'll put it on the screen. When you chase feel good, it progressively destroys good. Oh, get this. You got to chew on this. You got to think about this. When you chase feel good, it progressively destroys good. When you chase do good, it grows feel good. Sit in this, sit in this, think about this. See, this is true everywhere in life. This is true in your marriage and your family and all your relationships. This is true in your career and your education and you're aspiring to the next. If you, if you just chase feel good, if you go after immediate gratification, it will progressively undo all the good in your life. If you know how to do delayed gratification, listen, if you'll do the good thing first, it grows more good in your life. Come on now, this is true everywhere. One of the ways we can illustrate it, for example, is just in finances. <laughs> Listen, if you chase feel good first, it progressively destroys good, doesn't it? Like if you just spend according to how you feel, if you go shopping and you just shop, shop to buy yourself an emotional feel good fix, you will blow up your budget. You will add huge financial pressure to your life. Enough is never enough until eventually you have the blowback pressure in your own life, in your career, in your finances, often in your marriage, in your family. Hello. 
And on the other hand, when you chase do good first, look, if you get good financial principles and you know how to make the right decisions financially and you manage it according to a, a reasonable budget, you'll end up with peace and strength of financial good. In fact, I thought about this because a couple of weeks ago someone said to me, and I don't know why they brought it up, they said, hey, do you remember back in the day, I mean like back in the Saturday Night Live, when, 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 uh, when Steve Martin and, and Amy did that little sketch on debt, I, oh, I do remember it. In fact, it made me want to talk about it. So I'm just going to play it for you because this is worth 10 minutes or two minutes rather, and you'll get the whole thing. Listen, and this is just funny. I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. <laughs> you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no, you make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> Come on. That's just funny. I mean, that's just funny. You, we all get it. We know exactly what just happened in that last two minutes. And, and we understand that when you, when you chase feel good first, it destroys the good in your life progressively. Because the nature of chasing feel good is all about self-indulgence and the world becomes all about you. And you can never get enough when self-indulgence leads the way. Listen, it's not... It's not self-indulgence that gives you a good life. It's self-control. Ten chapters later in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is helping us understand this insight. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the spirit of Christ in Christmas. It's more blessed to give than receive. That, that's what he's trying to help us understand. That's, that's the thing that we practice. In fact, I, I wrote it this way in my notes. Uh, not that I need to read it and get it this way, but I, it, it's just kind of clear to me. In truth, I'm misleading you when I say don't chase feel good. Because in fact, Cornelius discovered if you really chased feel good, you would do good first. 
Because that's the ultimate feel good. Doing good first is chasing feel good. As soon as you understand all this. And that was the first shift he made. That changed his thinking, but it wasn't enough. There needs to be a second shift. Here it is. Fill it in the blank in your notes. Shift gears from good intentions to doing good. From good what? Intentions. I can't hear you. From doing what? From good intentions to doing good. See, what set Cornelius apart is not merely that he thought about doing good, but that he actually took good actions. He practiced doing good. Not mere good intentions, but he actually did good things. Took action on them. That's it. It's a major shift. See, Judy, a 12 stoner at the, at the Sugarloaf campus, she didn't have her life transformed from the power of a simple shoebox like the ones we're bringing in because somebody intended good and did nothing. It's only because somebody had good intentions and then delivered the box. She was talking with her campus pastor, Steve Walton. And I, I asked him, tell us the story. If you didn't see it on our social media, here's a shortened version of it. Listen to Judy's story, it's powerful. Hey, 12 Stone, I'm here with Judy, and I got to meet Judy a few weeks ago at 12 Stone. Uh, she's originally from Honduras, and she told me that when she was six years old, she received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. She said it was the first gift she ever received from anyone, and it had a dramatic impact on your life. Um, could you tell them how it felt when you got your Operation Christmas Child shoebox? Yes, so Pastor Steve, when I received the shoebox, it was really special for me. Like you said before, it was my first Christmas present, but mm -hmm. also too, it was so special because for the first time, I had something that I can say is my own. In that shoebox, the girl that packed your shoebox wrote a note, yes. and the note said, Jesus loves you and I love you too. And when you were 13, you turned to that note and, uh, and God changed your life through that note. Tell us a little bit about that. So at 13 years old, that's when the shoe bags made an impact in my life because in the orphanage, I was not able to continue my education. So I was just angry at God just for the life that I was living. I felt hopeless, discouraged. And I remember that I had a box with me full of pictures and letters. And yeah. when I opened the box, I even questioned him. And one of the questions I asked him was, how can a God like you that everybody say that you do all these wonderful miracles mm -hmm. has left me as an orphan? Another question I asked him was, if you really exist, show it to me. Show it to me because I don't see you here. And yeah. I remember opening the box and the first thing I saw was once again the picture hmm. and the note from the little girl that packed my shoe box seven years ago. Her note that said, Jesus love you and I love you too, were the answer of yeah. all my questions. Because in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggling, when I felt that God didn't even care for me, he was always there for me. So mm. that same day, because of that, I embraced his love. I accepted mm. him as my Lord and Savior. And you still have that note today, right? Yes. Um, and so uh, she, she brought it with her today. So yes. this, is, this is that note, that's the Jesus that's loves you. And then, and then in the back. That's incredible. Yes. Through that, through a Simply Shoe Box, you're sharing his love. And I just wanna say thank you for impacting his kingdom. That's awesome. Thank you, Judy, for sharing. Thank you, 12 so. Yeah, isn't that a great story? And look at, the, look at the power of that. See what transformed. She, she still has. I can see how she saved it until she was 13. But she still has that letter. 
Because beyond good intentions, somebody took good actions and God used it to transform her life. James, the younger brother of Jesus, got real blunt about getting beyond good intentions. Look at this scripture. Do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Is it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Faith without deeds is what, everybody? Useless. Last week, we got a gift in the mail from a 12-stoner, and it's a little box. Here's the box, and it says push on the box. <laughs> if you haven't seen one of these, so you're just going to, because you have to push. It, it tells you to. <laughs> so you push, and the box opens up, but, but, but it doesn't stay open. It, you push it, and every time you put, because you have to keep doing it, you push it, and it opens up the box, but then a little mechanical arm finger comes out, and it closes the very box it opened, and it becomes addictive, and I don't know why it's addictive. I just can't stop. I just keep doing it, and so it sits in our kitchen, and you can hear when somebody in the family walks in the kitchen, and they start playing with it, and we're all laughing, and I don't know why we can't stop. I don't even know why it's funny. It just is. It just, it just opens, and then it closes itself. And if you're not clear what value it has, right here it has what the box is called. Ready? The useless box. That's fantastic. It's exactly what it is. It opens up and then it closes. And I think if, if James had access to this box, he'd say, that's what I mean. <laughs> See, good intentions are like the box. You start to open yourself up and then you close yourself down before you ever do anything and it makes no difference or whatever. And you think good intentions mean something. They don't. They mean nothing. They're useless. By, by the way, i give you an illustration. What we've learned over the last few years of doing this Operation Christmas Child Shoebox stuff is that 25 to 30% of the boxes that go out the door never come back. Which means they sit in houses and businesses. And therefore that's useless. Good intentions made us pick them up and take them out. But without good actions, they don't come back. They're useless. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to leave it there. We're going to help each other. Man, everybody understands this, so that's why we're opening the door next week, and that you can still bring boxes back next week, because you're like, oh, I'm one of those, and just stop. This is not guilting. Just ixnay on the guilting. We're not doing the guilting. Let's just all confess. How many of you have ever, at any point in time in your life, ever had a good intention toward your spouse, toward your family, toward someone, for something of God, to serve, to help, a co-worker, anywhere in the world, but not done anything about it? How many of you had good intentions? Of course. Hello. We all have. And the people who didn't raise their hands, they're liars. So it doesn't matter. We got to deal with them in a different way. See, we've all been through this. This isn't a guilting, it's an invitation. Go do something with it. Because Christmas is not a feel-good event that we celebrate. It's the Spirit of God Christ in us. And you can exercise Christmas any day of any week all the time. God's opening doors up to you where you can bless someone else. You can open the door. You can do something to assist them. You can help them in smaller, great ways. Take a look. Pay attention to what's going on around you. And by the way, if you have good intentions for your spouse, but you don't do them, it's useless. For your family, you don't do them, it's useless. With your coworkers, you don't do it, it's useless. Don't give yourself credit for driving by. Somebody say, well, man, I want to help them. I should. Well, you know, I feel pretty good about myself. And you did nothing.
I don't know if you heard the story of the gas can and the homeless guy in Philadelphia. If you've seen this online, this is a fantastic story. I'll do the, the quick highlights. So Kate, 27-year-old, is traveling to through Philadelphia, thinks she can get to the other side of the city on the limited gas she has, and for the first time in her life, she runs out of gas, and it's not a good location. And she's afraid she should be. And the homeless guy comes up to her car, knocks onto the window and says, listen, this is not a safe place. Put your window up, lock your car doors, and wait. I'll be back. He takes his last $20, all that he has on him, goes to a gas station, buys a gas can, fills it with gas, brings it to her car, puts it in her car, and sends her safely on her way. Now that is blessing someone. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Homeless guy did that for him. I'm like, that's fantastic. But that's not the end of the story. What's intriguing about the story is she was so blessed. She said, I want to do something for him. She wants to bless him back. That's what this does. I mean, that's what Christmas, the spirit of Christ, blessed rather, you know, kind of bless more and give more than we receive. That's where all the blessing is. And so she came back to that location until she found Johnny and, and, and found him again and said, I want to do something for you. So she started a go. GoFundMe campaign and she wanted to raise a few thousand dollars in order to help get him off the street into an apartment and possibly into a job. I'm going to make a really long story short. Guess how much was raised? Over $300,000 to be given to Johnny to change that man's life. I mean, it's a phenomenal story. And what does it start from? Just a little opportunity and a little moment to bless someone. That's all. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It might be like, like well, like what, what happened when I was at the, the, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I went looking for my phone. Nobody, it didn't get turned in. I'm not finding the phone. I'm like, doggone it, this is gonna, ah. Oh. Cause don't you know you hate to lose your phone? Cause it's got everything in it. And, and as I'm walking back to my seats, I, I literally walk by and there's 10 bucks on the ground. I'm like, whoo, man, that's awesome. I mean, finding free money is fun. I had to feel good for just a moment. I'm like, well, that's 10 bucks toward my iPhone. <laughs> And, and then I had that little tinge, like that little moment, like, why don't you give that away? And I'm like, cause I just found it. <laughs> And, and then a waiter's walking by, and I'm like, all right. And I just, hey, buddy, here, here's 10 bucks. And he said, that's not mine. I said, you know what, it is now, because you're the one that's working. The rest of us are having a great time. Thanks for what you do. He said, well, thank you. You bet. So it brightens his day. I walk back to my seat. I said, well, somebody would do that with my iPhone, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it didn't work. You know, I mean, I didn't I, I get my iPhone. And we went to security at the end of, of, the, of the day, and then we kept calling. And, and by the time we are driving home, we're like, this is no good. Until we got to about Gwinnett, and then a couple of phone calls, and guess what? Somebody afterwards turned the phone in, an iPhone, they found it, and here's what I said to myself. I can't sing and I can't dance, but that is exactly what I did. I'm like, woo! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Because you know what? Somebody found an iPhone and they could have said, oh, this is awesome for me. But then they said, you know what? This is going to cost somebody. And they turned it in. Don't you know this would be a better world if we'd all be like Jesus? And you know, we can be. We can have a shift from good intentions to good actions. And this matters at home, outside the home, and everywhere. That is bringing Christmas everywhere. But there's a third shift. And I put it in your notes. Shift from lower gears to higher gears of good. Shift from lower gears to higher gears of good. After driving the C7 vet, I reflected on something. And the thoughts kind of impacted me on this whole doing good thing. That Corvette had 460 horsepower. Thank you, Jesus. 
and it had seven gears. How many gears, everybody? Seven, seven gears. Here's what I discovered. <laughs> day after day, I only used three or four gears. I, I, I used all the gears. <laughs> it, it just, it occurred to me that, that that car was created with 460 horsepower and seven gears, and I didn't even use them. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, what we were created for. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both. And making and saving, he created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him to what? Join him in the work he does. The good work. What kind of work? The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. We were created for good works. Before creation, this was our design. God, listen, God has put 460 horsepower of good in you. He's given you seven gears. Why be satisfied in the lower gears? Why run on third or fourth gear? Why not gear up? There's so much more capacity for good. Tap it. Maybe that's what Hebrews 10 means. Look at us on the screen. And let us consider how we may spur. What's that word again? Spur. I love that. Let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another. In other words, we should be helping each other get into gear five, six, and seven. Tap all the horsepower. You know, this culture is bent on telling all of us to get through all the gears and all the horsepower to feel good. Man, make sure you strive in your career. Make sure you get all the gusto. Make sure you go after everything in your life. Don't let any gears sit there untapped for the fun in life. What if the best life is if you'd spur one another on toward doing the loving, kind, good things that God created us to do? And we and settle in the lower gears. Now, you don't want to get to heaven someday and have God say, man, I created you for so much more good, but you just left gears untapped. I mean, what would it look like if you shifted gears from feel good first to do good first? From good intentions to good actions. I don't know how many shoe boxes we'll ultimately bring in. In some respects, it doesn't matter. I saw it's cool, 30th anniversary, let's do 30,000. Nobody's ever done that, but that, that's fine. It, it, I can tell you this, if we get close to it this week, and I think we can get past the number, but this week I'm going to send out a social media and say, Toast owners, we should push a little harder. I think we could actually hit this. And some of you are going to say, oh, good, I, but I don't have any more shoe boxes, so I'll have to go buy some shoes, so I have shoe boxes. And that's not what I'm encouraging, though. Some of you are like, oh, that would be fantastic. Pastor just said I got to go buy shoes. That's, that's not what I said. Wouldn't it be cool if we got past good intentions in our marriage and actually took good actions and in our family and with our coworkers? And we became the heart and the hand of Christ to the world around us. And we just recognized that blessing is doing the giving and the serving and the caring. Partly why we take this offering today and in this Christmas season, the Christmas offering. Why are we doing that? Because if we brought 30,000 boxes in, it cost $16 a box to ship it to the kids and to put a Bible in it and a discipleship. That's a half a million dollars in addition to the boxes we bring in. You might not know this, but we spend upwards of $100,000 a year at Christmas to, to buy honey-baked hams and provide meals and dinners to 12-stone families, just 12-stone families and own to help care for our own family so they can be the heroes and give the gifts to their kids. That's a cool thing we just do inside our church family. Most of you don't even know how, how extensive and engaged that is. 
and then hundreds of thousands of dollars that we invest in the community around us to bring compassion. That's what the offering does. Listen, there's no guilt in here. You give whatever God puts on your heart to give. If it's two bucks, give two bucks. If it's 20 bucks, if it's 200, if it's 2,000, if it's 20,000. You know what God's put in your hands and in your heart and you know what you can give and what God would want you to give. But the joy of being a part of this for Christmas is a beautiful thing. Shift gears from lower gears to higher gears. Challenge yourself to greater good. Let the spirit of Christ Christmas sit in you. It transformed Cornelius. But the risk of this conversation today is that you might think this is a complete teaching, and it's not. It's incomplete. It'll alter your life, but it's inadequate. And that's not where the story ended. Listen to verse 3. One day at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctively saw an angel of the Lord come to him and say, Cornelius? And Cornelius stared at him in fear, said, what is it, Lord? I'll bet he did. Wouldn't that terrify you? You're at home. An angel shows up. Poof. Starts to have a conversation. It'll freak you out. And the angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Cornelius, your prayers have been heard by God your Father. Those haven't been into thin air. He's very engaged and attentive. You're giving and blessing people in more desperate places, disadvantaged than you. God's seen that. It makes you a candidate for God's blessing. And he's about to bless you in a way you never could have imagined. See, that's why we got to pick up next week and drill deeper for good. So as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, where do you need to shift gears? Bow your heads with me. Father, by your grace... Would you take the simple, profound power of your word, the very thing you lived when you came at Christmas to do good, and would you help us shift gears? Right now, some of us will have to confess that we are caught up in a feel-good culture. We chase it. It's really hard to beat. God, would you help us? Some of us, our prayer right now is, God, help me move. Help me shift from feel-good to do good. Some of us would have to confess that, 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 that we're, we're uh, filled with a lot of good intentions, but not a lot of good actions. God, would you help us? Not to merely have God talk, but to act like you. Maybe in three days, we're going to have a moment at home with our spouse, and we'll realize we had a good intention we did nothing with. And we're going to put this into action. And it's going to transform marriage and family. It's going to transform our work and our business and coworkers. It's going to affect. We're not going to drive down the road and see someone in need and say, Oh, man, I had a good intention. I feel good about it. No, we're, God, help us be like you. We are more blessed when we give than to receive. God, even in this offering, even in the shoeboxes, Would you help us have a heart to join you in this awakening that you're building? Make us more like you. And maybe, maybe we've been sitting down in lower gears of good. And today you're spurring us on. Today we spur one another on in this church and in our small group and in our serving to greater good. Do this in us. Because in that you give us 
the better life, truly the good life. Help us in this, I pray in Christ's name, and everyone agreed saying, amen.